There are three kinds of people in the world, those who can count and those who can't. Explain it to your spouse on the way home. <laughs> winning and losing, those who can count. Winning and losing, pretty binary. We, we love winning. I uh, suffered through the Browns game last Sunday with all of you. I, I thought if we could get that field goal, we would be tied and then maybe work toward a win. Oh, blocked field goal. We eventually lost. Uh, Laura just mentioned uh, how great to have the girls' volleyball team be state championship. They, wow, we're just clapping for them every <laughs> How proud are we of the Guardians? They were supposed to be pretty lousy this year. They won a lot of games. We're just going to clap today. And even the Cavs, are they 4-1 now without Darius Garland? Winning feels good. We enjoy winning. We all love it. Um, Seasons of winning, for for, for sure. Um, One of the sports talk show hosts, guys that I listen to, he says, winning is deodorant. Because no matter what kind of stink is going on with your team, they're not getting along. Bad management fans hate you. If you win, it it covers the stink. And, and winning is kind of like that. When things are going well in life, it just seems good. Blessings abound. We're really at peace. God seems to be showing us his favor. We celebrate this season. Well, we're continuing, actually wrapping up this eight-week sermon series in the book of Psalms called Navigating the Seasons of Life. And today we thought we'd wrap up with Navigating the Winning Season. Now, this seems odd. Why would we have to navigate? Why would we have to take care in the winning season? Wouldn't we just kind of go with it? Wouldn't we just celebrate it? Well, it might seem strange, but... The temptation is that in our abundance, we forget about God. The temptation is in our abundance and in our blessing, we forget about God. We kind of put God in a timeout. My life is so good. Yeah, I know he's there. I come to worship sometimes. I pay some attention to him. But not with the intensity that I do when things are rotten. I kind of call it the opposite of the Job effect. Remember Job, Old Testament? The enemy comes to God and says, God, I bet you if I take everything away from Job, he will hate you. So Job loses his health, he loses his money, he loses his family, yet his faith remains strong. I call this the opposite of the Job effect. I think the enemy works as efficiently and effectively in our abundance as he does in our hurt and our loss. And I think we're kind of seeing that in America, in North America, in our world today. Things, frankly, are so good overall that we're pushing away from God. We think we don't need him. The verse we'll be working through today is the entire... uh, 144th Psalm. I won't read you the first eight verses. It's all about winning. Victories. David is praising God for victories. He's asking God for more victories. He's talking about the weapons of victory. You go home and read that sometime later. We'll pick up in verse nine. And here's what David says following the victory. I I will sing a new song to you, my God. On the ten-stringed lyre, I will make music to you, to the one who gives victory to kings and delivers his servant, David. Then our sons in their youth will be like well-nurtured plants. Our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields. Our oxen will draw heavy loads. There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed is the people of whom this is true. Blessed is the people whose God is the Lord." Brothers and sisters, this is God's word for us this morning. Would you, would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, thank you. You have shown us abundant mercy. Your kindness is unmistakable. Your grace is truly overwhelming. Some of us are enjoying a winning season. Let us not forget and become arrogant as if we would be the ones who would take credit for these good blessings. Let your word speak clearly to us this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. We pray this in Christ's name, and together we all say, 
Amen. Again, this idea of working through the verses in Psalm 144, and our first stop remembers this, that we ought to let God's victory move him to worship, move us to worship him. Let the winds in life draw you closer to God, not kind of let you cool things off. We just read it. I will sing a new song, worship my God, on a 10-string lyre using musical instruments. I'll make music to you, to the one who gives victory, who gives winds to kings, who delivers his servant David. As we come to worship, let's celebrate victory. What does it mean to worship? Why do we worship? How do we do it? A couple of um, definitions for you. Theologian Bob Coughlin says this, Christian worship is the response of God's redeemed to his self-revelation that exalts God's glory in Christ in our minds, in our affections, in our wills, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty good. Dallas Willard, a Christian author, says this, in worship we engage ourselves with, dwell upon, and express the greatness, the beauty, the goodness of God through thought and use of words, through rituals and symbols. Great definitions of worship. And remember, David was moved to worship because of the winds. One more time. I will sing a new song to you, my God. I will use musical instruments to do it. To the one, to God who gives victory, who gives winds over kings and delivers his servant David. This is Reformation week uh, in Reformed churches and in, uh, in, in Protestant churches. About 500 years ago, 505 years ago, Martin Luther, Augustinian Catholic monk working in Germany, he didn't want to start a Reformation. He didn't want to start a revolution. He just was saying to his brethren in the church, look, we got to get back to the Bible. We're kind of making stuff up here that's not in the Bible. Let's get back to the Bible. So on Sunday, uh, 505 years ago, on October 31st, he nailed 95 things to talk about, 95 theses on the door at the chapel in Wittenberg, and that kind of started things. And Martin Luther, this great reformer, would say this about worship. Now I'm paraphrasing. He would say, I got it right here. If you're not worshiping God in your abundance, you're an idolater setting ourselves up as the ones who, get, should, who should get credit for the wins. So if you're in a time of winning now, and I have to tell you, I've been in decades of winning. God is dumping blessings on me. Stuff of life happens for sure. But if you're in a time of winning like me, make an extra effort to worship because things can easily cool off. We don't think we're dependent on him. Hey, thanks for joining us online, all of you who are watching online. And it's great that you're doing that, but if you can come to church and worship, you should. Um, Join us in this place. It's better when we're all here. Make an extra effort to worship. Number two, know that in God's victories, there's blessings for future generations. We're just following the text, Psalm 144. In God's victories, there's blessings for future future generations. Then our sons in their youth will be like well-nurtured plants. Our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Generational blessing. Let's talk a little bit about generations. I, I've shared this a couple times, but it's been years, I think, since I've talked about my great-grandmother, my Uroma in German. Carolina was her name. She lived in this hot, stuffy apartment in Chicago. We would go there. I was little, and it was so hot upstairs. And she was little and skinny, and she always wore a black dress and had gray hair pulled back in a bun and had cat glasses. And she was so skinny that the skin on her hand was drawn so close I could see purple and green veins. You ever see hands like that? And as a little boy, I was like, wow, those are kind of weird, but kind of cool. And she was an immigrant, so she was fluent in German, and she spoke Croatian and Serbian and Hungarian, but her English wasn't very good. And we would kind of have broken conversations. I really didn't understand what she was saying, but she would always do this. She would clasp her hands and say, hallelujah, hallelujah. And as an arrogant, ignorant kid, I just thought, that stupid old lady doesn't know any English. (laughs) And all she could say was hallelujah. 
Well, she didn't know much English, but she wasn't just doing that as a default word. I came to learn later in my life that she truly was a strong Christian woman. And she really was saying hallelujah. And she was praying for the future generations. And she was fasting for us. And now so many in the future generations since her are walking with Christ. She doesn't get credit for it. Christ is the one who redeemed us. But the blessings of generations, that comes with victory. So as we walk in victory in this place at Royal Redeemer, we share with the generations. We teach them about the Passover. And we teach them that God delivered the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And we teach them about crossing the Jordan River into the Promised Land and how the Hebrews set up stones of remembrance. And we teach them about David and Goliath and Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how God provided a saving ark for Noah and his family when the cleansing flood came. We talk about God's win. We speak about Mary and Joseph and how they were delivered with their baby Jesus out of Palestine into Egypt, remember? It was a win because Herod had that terrible decree to kill all the little boys. That was a win. We talk about Jesus' wins over blindness and leprosy, shriveled hands, and even people who were demon-possessed. We talk about Jesus' ultimate victory. We'll talk a little bit about more, that, more about that in a minute. We bring our little ones to receive the, the baptism a sacrament. We teach what that is, that it's actually them benefiting. They receive the full benefits that Jesus won for them on the cross through this baptism, through the water and the word. We support Christian schools like Royal Redeemer Lutheran School, and we, we support ministry in the public schools, and we support homeschooling. We bless the future generations. In your, in your season of victory, be sure to bless the future generations. Look at this, Psalm 103, 17. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. It's from eternity to eternity on those who fear him and his righteousness on children's children through generations. Well, number three, <clears throat> know that God's victory brings provision. <clears throat> this makes sense, right? You win a battle, you get to take stuff. And that's kind of what happens here. God's victory brings provision. David writes, our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields. And our oxen will draw heavy loads. We'll have so much stuff, our oxen will labor at the stuff that we get to have. Because of the wind that God provides, David's people had every kind of provision. I was reading an article from a website that I visit called desiringgod.com, desiringgod.com. And it was about provision. And some of the points were um, surprising, but they were helpful to me, and I think they'll be helpful for you too. First of all, know that God's provision may not be what you want. Huh. God's provision may not be exactly what you want, but he's still providing for you. Remember the story. God delivers the children of Israel out of slavery. You used to be slaves, and now you're free. Provision. But they grumbled because it wasn't what they want. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the Israelites said to them, if only we had died, they would rather have died than be in the circumstances they were in. Well, we were, when we were in slavery, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out onto this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Secondly, when we're talking about provision, God provides himself. I wish I had a pony, but I just got God. I mean, isn't that us, right? Like, I, I'm pretty sure I want a Corvette. And we just get God. God is providing himself to us. In Hebrews 13, be content with what you have. Why? It says because. Why are we content? Because why? Never have I left you, neither will I forsake you. You have me, God is saying. Let's recognize that. Let's recognize what a win that is, that we get to have God. 
Final kind of sub-point on this provision thing, God's final provision will happen in eternity. If you're frustrated with things right now, don't be. But if you are, look to eternity. Look at how marvelously fulfilled we'll all be. Let me take you into the future. Revelation 21, John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there no longer was any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Our perfect provision is still coming. Be content with what you have, but our perfect provision is still coming. Number four this morning, know that God's victory brings future security. This kind of makes sense to us too, right? You win a battle, you feel a little bit safer. And that's what follows here with David. God's victories bring future security. There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. Now we're talking about beautiful things like peace and safety and security, about home, about shelter, about tranquility, about harmony. We're thinking about accord and rest and quietness. According to an article I read in Christianity Today magazine, uh, one of the biggest complaints that people have with their psychiatrists is a feeling of insecurity. I just feel insecure. I, I don't feel safe. It feels like things are going to happen to me. Here at Royal Redeemer, we are certainly a church, but we're also a school. And as you know, recent events and in years past, they've moved us to up our security. So if you come around during the week, you'll find that exterior doors are locked. You have to be buzzed in. We do security and background checks and all the people who have anything to do with the kiddos around here. Forms and qualifications need to be filled out. Standards and procedures have been developed. Training and education need to happen. All in the name of security. All in the name of keeping people safe. One of the ways to walk in this winning season, if that's where you're in now, is to Know that God's security is yours. In this winning season, celebrate security and peace. Rest in shelter and tranquility and rest and quietness. Next, know that God's victory brings happiness. Laura talked a little bit about that. That's your face when you win, right? You are happy. Uh, Psalm 144 kind of wraps up with the final blessing, the final benediction. Blessed is the people of whom this is true. Blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. The original Hebrew for blessed is Esher, E-S-H-E-R in English, Esher. Um, That can also mean happy. We could read this as happy is the people of whom this is true. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Winning makes us happy. I'm really happy with this win. This could be any athlete anywhere, right? This is a premier soccer player from England. Of course. Ah, we won. This feels good. I'm happy. How about the celebrations after the Second World War? Let your mind take you back to those pictures in London and New York and in Paris. People were going berserk. They were so happy. Except for this little girl. (laughs) Can you imagine being the one holding her? Come on, we won. Winning makes you happy. So celebrate happiness in your winning season, but also be aware that not everyone is in a winning season right now. Like sometimes our winning and our celebration can seem like flaunting, even though we're not intending to do that. So be sensitive. Some are broken. Some are in the exact opposite season. 
but know that happiness, uh, that victory can make you happy. Finally, celebrate the ultimate victory. Jesus. The ultimate victory given to Jesus. Celebrate that from 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God. What does he do? He gives us victory. He gives us a win through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's this talking about? What was the win? Like what happened? What's the contest? What's the game he had to play? Christ raged against the devil and battled, and he won. We have this notion of champion, and we've talked about this before, like Muhammad Ali was a great champion. Yes, he was, but that's not a perfect use of the word. The actual higher definition of champion is someone who wins a battle for you. David was a champion because he won a victory for all of Israel through beating Goliath. Christ is our champion. He's the one who went and fought for us, and he gives us that victory. The victory that Jesus won over death on the cross and in the empty tomb is ours. It's credited to our account, like an accounting term or a banking term. It's now written in next to my name that I win over death. It's written next to your name. Simply by faith, you receive this gracious gift by believing. I'm a sinner. Jesus is the son of God. He died and rose for me. Death is defeated. I now follow him, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I walk with him. Now you have that win, too. Well, as we wrap up this sermon series, let's talk a little bit about a couple of next steps. These are listed at the bottom of your outline. This week, would you memorize um, this next memory verse, Psalm 90, 12? These are available <clears throat> from these uh, magnets that we've provided. There's more on your way out if you didn't get one. Put it on your refrigerator or somewhere that you'll notice it, and, and look at these verses and memorize them. They're not long. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Number two, decide that in this winning season that you'll honor and love and worship and obey God just as intensely as in other seasons. Don't fall off. Don't let it be taken away from you. And number three is more of a wrap-up of the entire sermon series. Continue to read and study the Psalms regularly for the rest of your life. Remember what we talked about at the beginning. This book of Psalms was really the Hebrews' mobile tabernacle. They could take these words with them even into captivity. This was their hymn book. So let this be your worship book. Read through the Psalms for the rest of your life. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we're thankful for this scroll of Hebrew hymn lyrics. We call them the Psalms, and they are a gift from you to us. This helps us to realize that we're winners, not because we won, but because Jesus won. Thank you for this sermon series. I pray that it's been a blessing to all who have heard it. We rejoice in you. We celebrate wins, but we're also very aware <clears throat> that some people are in the middle of losses, and we love them, and we're there to assist them too. All to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name, and together we all say, amen.